Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man, and I will question you. You shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. This morning, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in the book of Job. And the book of Job has two major themes, God's justice in the light of human suffering, and especially of a just man's suffering, Job. Now, the second theme is disinterested religion, and that's what we'll discuss today. A major figure in the book of Job is the Ha-Satan, the accuser, or Satan. Now, Satan proposes a thesis to God proposes that no human being would ever worship God or obey Him or His commandments without an interest. That is to say that Satan challenges God, saying that humans only worship God because they have an interest, or it is for material and physical gain and prosperity that they do so. Now, God tells the Hasatan that his thesis is incorrect, that man or humanity does worship God for the sake of God alone. And he argues that a man such as Job, who is upright, blameless, true, and a God-fearing man, a man who abstains from every evil, must certainly worship and adores God for God's sake alone and not for personal interest. To settle the dispute... God allows Satan, gives to Satan, as the Bible says, whatever Job has. Are all of Job's possessions, his servants, his family, his wealth, his prosperity, he is only not to touch Job. Now Satan is successful, the book of Job tells us, in destroying everything Job holds dear. And that's where we find ourselves this morning, Job's life laid to ruin. Job has questioned God as to why bad things happen to good people, why bad things happen to the just, and why his own life has fallen apart or been cursed. He is an upright man. Why have I been cursed? Now in Job's questioning and accusing God, Job takes on an air of self-righteousness. Why me? I am just. This should not happen to me. And God answers Job's questioning and seeming self-righteousness from a tornado. Job has endured the lion's share of suffering, endured the most fierce assaults of Satan. And although he does not blaspheme or curse God, he does question God. Job wonders at the ways of God and demands an answer to the suffering the Lord allows in his life. Answer me, God. Now, poor Job has lost everything. He's sitting in sores and ashes, his whole life laid to ruin. 
three of Job's friends appear and give him very poor counsel. They give Job very easy answers. If God is punishing you, Job, they say, then you must be at fault. It is your fault. You have defied God. Now his friends presume to know without error the mind of God. You are being punished because of your defiance. That is what God is doing to you. Now Job also presumes to know God's mind unequivocally. Job sees himself as righteous before God. I have done everything to the letter of the law. By the book, I am an upright man. And as such, I have the right to question God. In fact, Job rails against God, wondering why certain and sundry tragedies have befallen him. He is, after all, innocent, true, and upright. And his suffering seemed to be a curse. Now, this needs to be said that Job is unique. An extraordinary or special example. Job is not normative in how God relates to his creation. Job is a special example, a prototype. We humans often demand answers from God just as Job did nonetheless. We make a habit of presuming to know God's mind or the mind of the Holy Spirit, which is the vehicle of God's grace and activity in our lives. One regular facet of my vocation or job is teaching, something I love to do. And in my confirmation classes or classes on the sacraments, folks always seem to have a very keen interest in the sacrament of confirmation. Now, confirmation is a sealing of our baptisms by the giving of the sevenfold gift of the Holy Spirit and by the laying on of hands from a bishop. The sacrament of confirmation, a prayer is asked where specific graces are given to the person being confirmed. Graces that are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Now, in the classes, we usually get along just fine until we discuss the very last gift of the Holy Spirit, fear of the Lord. Now, immediately questions are raised, protests laid, and arguments are expounded. And the issue that is always this. If we worship a God who is pure and perfect love, then the idea of holy sense makes no sense whatsoever. I refuse to worship a God I must fear. Now, these responses don't surprise me in the least. These remarks show forth in the actions and lives of many Christians, and especially in a land that is becoming thoroughly secularized, in a land where the individual is the highest authority and final judge on any and every matter. In fact, if you attended the 8 o'clock service, and I don't think anyone but Becky, Becky did, the collect, that we, the collect for the day this morning said, let us stand in perpetual fear and love of God. The word fear removed from contemporary language removed because it hurts so many people's ears. It's becoming very common for Christians to presume to know without fail the mind of the Holy Spirit. God led me to do this. God told me to do this. We use God as a tool to meet the needs of our personal ambitions. We use God to make us feel good about ourselves, to affirm ourselves, to affirm our behavior, our actions. 
We put God at the center. We put ourselves, rather, excuse me, at the center of the universe. And God is nothing more than an implement for our devices and desires. God is a tool we use. We are all too quick to reply to one suffering or one in the place of Job. This is God's plan. It's what God means for your life. Or we reply with full certainty that the Holy Spirit has spoken and we know what God said without fail. And we tell other people that and have no problem doing it. The world, now more than ever, is in need of the virtue of holy fear. Now while on the one hand I certainly understand the reactions of many modern Christians and their proclamations about knowing the sure and certain mind of God. We humans crave understanding. We crave affirmation and righteousness. We crave and long for approval or mastery over the difficult things in life. We want things to make sense. We don't like the answer, were you there when I created the foundations of the world? In the book of Job... His friends thought they understood that Job was being punished for being bad. You've fallen from the ways of God and God has cursed you. Job, on the other hand, knows for certain that he is righteous. And when he cannot summon a rational explanation for the suffering in his life, rails against God. Answer me, God. Answer me. Unfortunately, we are no different and in need of the grace and gifts of God in need of fear and reverence. Too many times we're like the friends of Job, certain that we know God's mind and willing to force it down the throats of others. Or we are like Job, certain that we are righteous, upstanding, and demand answers from God. Now if we step back from the book of Job and view it through the eyes of faith, the eyes of the church, We'll see that Job and his friends are both off base, both lacking. In the book of Job, we are not being shown punishment or righteousness or some trivial plan. Rather, we're being shown that the greatest and deepest love is, in fact, without interest. That's the way we were made, the way we were supposed to be, the way we should normally operate. We are shown a love that asks nothing and gives all. A love that loves for no personal gain or righteousness. That is what our life is supposed to look like. When we love another, we're supposed to love without personal gain or righteousness. The book of Job shows us that holy fear is indeed a virtue and a gift of God. Job himself says so. Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. So what exactly is holy fear, this gift of the Spirit? Now holy fear is defined as a loving anxiety to avoid displeasing or offending God. A loving anxiety to avoid displeasing or offending God. Now what does that mean and what does it mean for your life? What does it really mean to you and to me? Now there are two ways you can go about approaching this notion of holy fear. The first is a sweet, romantic, tender notion that I pray will not offend the sensibilities of anyone. By meaning holy fear, we 
recognize the romantic or tender notion that we are in the presence of love itself when we are in the presence of God. And being in the presence of love itself and in a state of awe, we should be anxious as not to offend or betray love, this love we are in the midst of. Holy fear is the fear, the anxiety of offending beauty itself. Now the second way to think about this is a little more blunt and pointed. And it says that holy fear is the gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us to realize that we are in the presence of the great I am. We are in, we stand in the presence of existence itself. He who spoke and existence became. That is to say we are in the presence of God. God who created everything from nothing. God who creates us out of nothing. And it is only through God that we exist. It is only through God's will that any one of us is here. And with that realization comes this realization. That God can cease our existence as well. That's what we say in our burial office, or at least the traditional burial office, right? One or the 28 prayer book says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That also too offensive to the modern ear. This realization causes us to approach God, to approach the great I am with thanksgiving and appreciation for that existence. We, through the gift of holy fear, begin to fear, have anxiety over offending the great I am. We realize that it is possible, that it is possible to offend God by the actions of our lives. Or that we are accountable to something other than ourselves. Holy fear removes us from being at the center of the universe. And it places God back in God's proper place. It shows us at one time how small and insignificant we are. But at the same time, it shows us that we are more significant than we could ever imagine or understand. Holy fear is a gift that tells us no matter what, we are beloved of God and we are in the presence of God. That when times get bad, when we suffer... We depend on God more and more, and God comforts us more and more. Holy fear puts mankind back in its proper place, not daring to rail against God, pretending to the place of God, or presuming to speak the mind of God. Holy fear allows us to freely love more deeply and more completely. Holy fear allows us to love God without interest or the hope of gain, And in loving God without interest or the hope of gain, loving one another without interest or the hope of gain. Holy fear allows us to stand in a mystery that is existence and not question or complain, not claim ownership of God. It allows us to humble ourselves in the existence of the great I am and hold existence precious and near and dear to our hearts. Holy fear has been forgotten and cast off by too many. We do not look at God as existence itself, as objective existence that we know only through revelation and faith. 
Rather, we look at God from the perspective of ourselves at being God. I am God. I am at the center of the universe. We think that God exists for us and not we for Him. So let us pray, brothers and sisters, that by the grace of God and through the virtue of holy fear, our hearts will be filled with love more and more. Let us pray that through the grace of God and the virtue of holy fear that we will enter a more perfect relationship with God, a more perfect love with God, with each other and with the world. Let us look to holy fear as a grace of God that shows us what life truly is. That we are creatures of God and not God himself. Rejoice in the fact that you are loved of God, that you are in the presence of the great I am, in the presence of existence itself. Stand in fear and awe and reverence of the greatness and the love that is God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.